Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Uh, back in the fine, cool studios of uh, the Hop Grenade. <laughs> ah, that'd be nice. It's <laughs> hot out today, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's hot in here, too. Mm. Not hot like uh, Singapore hot, but it was no. hot. It's hot. Singapore was, was quite unique in that respect. It, it was not so... Here, like a day or two before I'm leaving for Korea, because I did Mm. Korea for a week, Singapore for a week, and then Japan for most of a week. A few days before I'm leaving, having dinner with Chris White, and he's like, Singapore is so incredibly hot, you don't realize how hot it's going to (laughs) be. He had apparently done the same uh, homebrew event that we had done. Okay. He's like, it's going to be so incredibly hot. You're going to, you know, like, be crying because it's going to be that hot. Well, went to Korea first. That was unbelievably hot. (laughs) The people of Korea were going like, it's never been this hot ever. And, you know, it was was miserable. That was, you know, near 100% humidity and, you know, near uh, near 100 degrees. And it was just brutal. Uh, but we had a great time. Loved Korea. Uh, you know, clean, um, you know, yeah, much more quiet and mellow than you would think. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you think of these, uh, like we went to Seoul and you think of most, uh, big Asian cities as noisy and hectic and crowded. Right. Uh, not at all. Not at all. It, hmm. it was just lovely. I loved, I loved Korea. I thought that that was an awesome place. Were the was the underground markets were those air conditioned? Yes, ah. they were, and so like yeah, everywhere instead of crossing a street over a busy street and screwing up traffic, they just have all these underground passages, and you just walk down some stairs, walk underneath the street, walk back up. But connected to them is like a million miles of little shops of like strip mall type of stuff, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, we saw the same thing in Singapore, really. Yeah, but on a much grander scale in Korea. Oh. And if you read about it online, it makes it sound like, you know, it's all crammed in and cramped and you're going to get lost and it sounds dirty and uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's like walking around, you know, American Mall. Yeah. Uh, so I had a great time there. So I was prepared for Singapore. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to survive Singapore because Korea is so hot. Yeah, to Singapore. <laughs> And it was cool compared to Korea. Yeah. And you realize how hot that was. 
for me, it was nothing. I'm like, well, yeah, I already lived a week through, you know, much hotter. Yeah. Jungle hot. Oh, yeah. It was Africa hot. I'll tell you, Tarzan couldn't stand that kind of hot. <laughs> um, but uh, Singapore, so the heat did not bother me in Singapore. I thought yeah. that it was It was uh, warm. It was humid, but it wasn't that bad. It was like, what, 85, good chunk yeah. of the time we were there? Yeah. 85, 90? It wasn't that bad. Yeah, not that bad. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, David House, he, he had sent us, uh, apparently, some tips before we left, which we did not get. Ah. Um, it said, uh, hi, Jamel and John. I would suggest having water with you at the event. Also, buy a pair of flip-flops before coming over. Wear shorts, <laughs> a T-shirt, and maybe a hat. It's a fun event. It'll be under tents, hopefully with fans. But you can always duck into the shop for the air cut if it gets too much. See you there. Um, yeah, I couldn't great. fit my feet in flip-flops. Just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, it, but... Uh, no, we, I mean, we wore shorts, mm-hmm. you know, but yep. uh, we we're fine. No, not bad at all. We And uh, our hosts were quite gracious. Exactly. Yeah. Took wonderful care of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did that judging part, and that was indoor air conditioned, sitting at a table. Right. Couldn't, yep. have, couldn't have gone wrong. A lot of excellent beers there. I was very surprised at, yeah. uh, you know, I thought overall it was of a quality equal to... Uh, you know what you get at a great uh, uh, competition in the U.S.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, quality beers is right there with the States. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought that there were uh, several world-class beers there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 interesting, you know, that I guess uh, Ray was telling us they only um, legalized home brewing about 10, 10-ish years ago. Right. And uh, so it's all come along since then. But, yeah, it's... It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so much to do. And then uh, the uh, the event at Smith Street Taps in the Hawker Stall. Oh, that was fun. That was cool. I mean, so Hawker Stalls, for those of you who don't know, it's like uh, all the little uh, street market food vendors and tchotchke vendors and stuff. Yeah, well, the stuff you see on the Food Network. Right. They've moved all that in under like giant roofs so they've collected them all so they're not like lining the streets anymore this way they can maintain quality make sure they're clean make sure they're you know licensed and uh so there's stalls where you can, for three bucks you can get like a full meal um but uh they also have like craft beer bars <laughs> smith straight taps it's in one of these, like, uh, 8 by 10 stalls. Maybe it's not even that big. I don't know. Yeah, it's about the size, yeah. Uh, a couple of refrigerators, a couple of kegerators, a sink, and some glassware. That's it. <laughs> and you go up, and you're like, yeah, I'll take a pint of uh, Evil Cousin. And they yeah. give you a pint of Evil Cousin. Then you just stand out there, like, where all the normal people are. They had some uh, picnic tables and stuff, but... It's not like in the U.S. where everything has to be fenced off and you have to stay within that boundary. It's just like you're free to wander around if you want. Yeah. There was saute uh, stalls next to us. That mm-hmm. Dude had excellent saute. And um, our good friend Val Allen was there, and they yeah. were participating in that tap takeover. And right. So we had some uh, great Anderson Valley beers as well. Paul from Hol- Holgate was there. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good IPA he had. I liked that yeah, a lot. Yeah, uh, They've always had great beer. Um. Yeah. So that was that was a blast. And then we did the uh, uh, SEA uh, conference, the Southeastern Asia Craft Brewers Conference, 
And uh, we talked to that, and uh, that was I thought that that was a, a very solid uh, conference. I'm, it was, I expect yeah. that that will grow quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the event at uh, the, uh, the burger joint. Oh, yes. <laughs> Excellent burger. I thought that yeah. was every bit as, as great a oh, burger yeah. as you could possibly get in the U.S. Definitely. And great, great beers, great pricing, nice, mm-hmm. nice vibe in that place. I've, I, yeah. I told them, I said, I think, you know, this would be successful anywhere in the U.S. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's very impressive for, you know, uh, I just loved it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. People kept telling me or you'd read online that. Um, Singapore is really expensive to visit, but mm-hmm. I didn't find it that expensive. I mean, maybe the hotels are a bit pricey, but right. you know, in terms of food and transportation, it is cheap. Well, especially if you eat, you know, if you go into a sit-down fancy restaurant, it gets kind of pricey. Right. But, but if you do, yeah, if you go to one of the hawker stalls, you're it's cheap. Yeah, um, I three bucks, to, five uh, bucks. There was the uh, uh, the uh, uh, anyways, um, had a great time. Enjoyed all that. Um, did uh, Japan. Went to oh, yeah. Japan as well. Excellent. Love Japan. Uh, my daughter and I, we'd been on the road, you know, two full weeks, get to Japan, and um, we both had to smile when we reached Japan. We just, it's such a cool place. And the people are so, so neat. And it was just, uh, we were just happy to be in Japan. It was like, uh, you know, visiting one of your favorite places. Yeah, yeah. And so we just was it did. cooler there? Or? Uh, yeah, even cooler still. The typhoon had just passed, so everything was kind um, of uh, cooled down a little bit. And uh, hey, it got warm too, but nowhere near like Singapore or uh, Korea. Oh, uh, okay. So, and Korea was extremely cheap, very affordable. Uh, everything yeah. was. Uh, that's where you go to buy stuff. That's where uh, everything is really well priced. Yeah, about. I mean, something like Taylor could probably live there for a month before his supplies were run out, and you know, here in the U.S., you could probably live for a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh? Mm. I'm just saying. Korea, Korea, great place. I loved. I loved it. Uh, well, it was interesting at the the Southeast Asia Brewers Conference. I mean. We were meeting so many expats, you know, American and British that were opening, you know, brew pubs in Vietnam, Thailand, um, Burma, Korea. Right. And they're saying, yeah, I'm like the only brew pub around. I mean, you know, and people were taken to him. He said, yeah, you know, the, they're busy. Bringing alcohol so, to the locals. Yeah. So that's that's the American way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a great time. Me too. The only thing that would have made it better is if our good friend John Blickman were there. That's true. That would have been fun. But I'll tell you, he was probably working on some new fancy piece of uh, brew gear that's going to blow everybody's mind. Yes, that is a fact. Oh, see, you know something. Yep, yep. Oh, see, see. Uh, <laughs> I See, I suspect these things, and they turn out to be true. Yeah, because John Blickman's always using that uh, considerable noggin of his to uh, dream up new things and and innovate people's brew day. So uh, I think uh, it's very cool that he sponsors this show, pays for the show, so you don't have to. So go go check him out, BlickmanEngineering dot com. Uh, send an email to um, feedback at uh, BlickmanEngineering dot com. Tell them uh, how much you appreciate that 
uh, they pay for the show and uh, beg them to keep doing so. Yeah. Because we like doing it. Yeah, we do too. Well, we like doing it so much because we get great uh, suggestions like this uh, from uh, uh, Thomas in Sweden. He was saying, uh, our good friend Thomas. um, (laughs) As we wait for Taylor to produce the sideshow, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) What? Thomas from. uh, There we go. uh, This is Thomas from. Um, Malmo Brewing, I believe. Excellent brewer. Fantastic beers at Malmo Brewing. Thomas really knows what he's doing. And he wrote and said, uh, Hi, Jamel and John. Do you have any plans for an episode about hops? Cohumulone, beta acid, polyphenols, oil content, and so on. Every brewer knows about alpha acid, but what about all the other things in those green little wonderful things? How do I choose a good hop variety for bittering just by looking at specs and so on? Cheers, Thomas. So I thought that was actually a really good idea because we talk a lot about hops, but and we'll throw out, oh, you know, the cohumulone level, you know, you want it to be, and you know, yeah. and we don't really get into any more detail than that. So I thought uh, a good opportunity to to kind of dig into some this of that. a bit. Yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a, a short break, and when we come back, uh, we can. Dig right into uh, hops right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. 
The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Grog tags aren't just for labeling your home brews to hand out to your friends. They're the perfect way to round out your personal brewing marketing. Bringing your latest beer to a funeral? Craft a metal sign to go with it. Heading out to Little Liam's Bar Mitzvah? Grog Tag custom bottle caps are awesome. Couldn't get out of jury duty this year? Grog Tag the hell out of the deliberation room with reusable labels. Grog Tag has an awesome array of products just waiting to be customized by you. Metal signs, coasters, tasting mats, bottle caps, tap handles. It's all there waiting for your designs at Grog Tag. Liven up your next party with the widest selection of custom products ever offered by a sponsor of the Brewing Network. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. So, John, um, what? what are what are the compounds in hops that that brewers are interested in? Uh, they're organic chemicals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, can can you list some of them for us? What should we What should we focus on? I mean, well, you hear okay. a lot of you know different things, but what's what are the important ones? What are the ones you should uh, be reading about? Okay, there's a variety of uh, compounds. There, there's your alpha acids, which were the ones that we normally talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. These isomerize into more soluble bitter compounds to give the beer its bitterness. They're the bulk of the bitterness in beer. Then you have your oxidized beta acids. Um, and time was, you know, 100 years ago, hops had equal amounts of alpha and beta acids in them. And these were the what we call the resins in the hops. They are resident in the lupulin glands, the little yellow powder that's inside the hop cone. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, yeah, he had a kind of a one-to-one ratio of alpha to beta acids. Well, new hop varieties, the ones we've been raising these last you know decade or so, uh, often have two or even three-to-one alpha to beta acids. Mm-hmm. So today's bitterness is a lot different from yesteryear's bitterness. How is but, the bitterness different between the beta acids and the alpha acids? I'm glad you asked. Um, the beta acids are... Throw the softballs up into the air, yes. <laughs> the beta acids are um, less bitter, you know, weight for weight than, the, than isomerized alpha. Uh-huh. Um, about, I can't find that particular thing, it's about 66% as bitter, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, I'll look that up in a minute. But... Um, it's a it's a harsher bitterness than alpha. Alpha isomerized alpha is a kind of a, a clean, sharp bitterness. Um, oxidized beta is a more lingering, uh, slightly more stringent bitterness, mm-hmm. um, if you characterize them as such. So, hot bitterness, um, you know, 50, or thirty IBUs um, fifty years ago or a hundred years ago would have been. Um, a little more bitter or harsh on the palate than 30 IBUs um, from predominantly isomerized alpha like we have today. Mm. 30 IBUs today is kind of like, yeah, it's, it's bitter, but it's not nasty or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 30, you know, 50, 100 years ago, 30 IBUs would have been kind of harsher and linger, more lingering on the palate. Um, there's and so those are those are your your uh, resins and then you have your essential hop oils and these are what give hops their aroma and flavor and there's a lot of those like hundreds of those um, you know components in those special in those essential oils mm-hmm. um, we have names for a lot of them myrcene humulene carophylline farcenine. Um, Ionine, what's on? I, I'm mispronouncing these on purpose. Uh, Linalool, <laughs> geraniol, nerol, citronellol, terpineol, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of them. They kind of fall into three categories. You have your hydrocarbons, which are, um, <laughs> I love these names. Uh, which consists of like monoterpenes, mm-hmm. sesquiterpenes, and uh, norosoprenoids. These all sound like species of tortoise to me. Mm-hmm. But those are hydrocarbons, and those include your myrcene, humulene, uh, beta-carolophylline, farnesine, uh, etc. You have your oxygenated hydrocarbons, which are your linalool, geraniol, nerol, citronellol, and terpineol. Um And then you have your sulfur-containing compounds. Um, And these, there aren't as many of these, but they are especially pungent. And one example is 4-MMP, which is a a thioester. And uh, 4-MMP has that uh, uh, kind of that uh, cat pee, uh, black currant kind of uh, smell. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a you know wide range of essential oils that make up you know the total hop aroma from any given variety. 
And um, a lot of recent work, you know, and recent I mean over the last 10, 15, 20 years, has been trying to understand how these oils come together to give us a particular varieties aroma. They've, you know, tried isolating different oils and combining them, trying to reproduce, say, the aroma from Cascade or the aroma from Citra or East Kent Goldings. But um, they have, so far they haven't really achieved it. It's always been really lacking in mm-hmm. some essential character that you, know, you get from the, the hop itself, mm-hmm. but not from a combination of oils. So well, very complex system. I think that... Um because it, it it's a uh, you know a combination of the oils, but I mean you know like just trace trace uh, you know amounts of certain oils I think right, can right. have a dramatic effect on the on the overall whole. When you uh, make a single hot beer, it's one thing, and if you were to take you know two single hot beers and then make another beer with both those hops in it, chances are it'd be radically different than just those two, the characteristics of those two single hop beers. Yes. It's, it's interesting how they tend to integrate and support each other or make dramatic changes to certain characteristics all of a sudden really stand prominent, whereas uh, uh, you wouldn't have imagined that from anything. Right, right. Yeah, very very complex subject. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the lot of lot of more, the recent work has been trying to characterize, you know, how much uh, hop aroma intensity we get from dry hopping, and under mm-hmm. what conditions of dry hopping do we best get it? Mm-hmm. And even these studies, um, and I'm referring to a couple I just saw this past summer at the World Brewing Congress, um, really haven't you know uh, been able to identify any any solid uh, model. Um, It's really a fascinating subject. It is. It is uh, very complex. It's um, one of the things that I've noticed about dry hopping um, is that so generally you think, well, you know, one amount of dry hopping is good. Well, twice as much is twice as good and three times as much is three times as good. Right, right. But and the some recent experiments, you can have like you know great hop character with you know one set of hops. You add a little bit more, and um, you know it's okay. You, you you triple it, and all of a sudden you're to a point where it's less than it would have been at you know one x. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, the three x is somehow pulled out. Out the hop character, or something weird has happened, and then there's like you know no hop character, or very or less hop character than you started with. So it's very odd how um, you know that 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 plays together, and and I think for that reason it's very hard for someone to say, well, you know, throw in this, throw in that, and here you go. Maybe someday we'll get to that, but right now it's kind of uh, you know this worked well for me. Let me try this, and you know, see if I get similar results, or you know, let me try this and see if it's better or worse, and then it's it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, kind of interesting. The World Brewing Congress this summer, um, Dan Vollmer uh, has been doing a study at Oregon State, um, part of his PhD work, where they looked at uh, overall hop intensity, uh, you know, hop aroma intensity in dry hop beers. Mm-hmm. As a function of 
um, milligrams or, you know, total oil content in the hops mm -hmm. and total mm -hmm. oil content added to the beer. Mm -hmm. They had 23 different uh, farms, different lots mm -hmm. of Cascade mm -hmm. from both mm -hmm. Oregon and Washington. Mm -hmm. And when he plotted, then they had all these beers that were dry hop with these different lots of Cascade. Uh, same year, um, they had them all evaluated by a, just an experienced and, and qualified and calibrated tasting panel. Mm -hmm. No correlation to hop oil content mm -hmm. to overall hop and aroma intensity. Right. So uh, there's so many things I want to say. Yeah. One is I realized this a while ago, and I think it was um, – I mean, back a few years ago, uh, I know uh, Burleson was, you know, really high on, uh, you know, going with, you know, the more oil, the better. Yeah. And that's what we all thought. Well, and I'm, I'm sure today he, he'd probably say something different. But, um, I mean, that's really what got me going on oils, you know, back when. Yeah. But I find that it's got nothing to do – I mean, it's, it's got something to do with it. But, I mean, it just depends on what kind of oils and, what, and, and uh, you know, a, a lesser oil hop could have so much more uh, aromatic, uh, you know, character and flavor and, you know, be so much more, you know, yeah. hop intense than something with a lot more oil. Which is, you know, counterintuitive because you think yeah. it's, well, it's coming from these oils. That's where all this flavor and aroma is coming from. Well, you know, it depends on what kind of oils. It's like having a car. You know, you could have a big car or you could have a small car. And, well, having a bigger car doesn't mean it's going to go faster or drive better or be more comfortable. Right. Um, but uh, Porno Steve and I went up to Oregon <laughs> to uh, uh, <laughs> check some, make some, uh, some hop selection at, of Cascades of all, of all hops. And uh, we were at uh, Crosby Hop Farm. And they gave us uh, four different uh, brewer's cuts of, of Cascades from four different farms. They didn't tell us which is which, but, uh, you know, some of them, uh, one was from, I think, uh, Yakima, three were from Oregon, and, uh, you know, some of them, some, they all seemed nice. But mm -hmm. some of them seem much less. Uh, it was all the same year, you know. And mm -hmm. it, it seemed uh, some seemed very kind of pedestrian, just a bit of citrus, nothing else. Right. Some seemed, um, you know, a little bit more bold than that. A little little citrus, a little floral, nothing else. Uh, the of uh, the two that we liked, one was you know a little more balanced and had a little bit more of of those things. And the one that we ended up picking was just had all this character to it, and it was multi-layered, and it had citrus, and it had uh, floral, and it had you know uh, all these all these uh, uh, a, a tiny bit dank, and just so many things going on in it, and so much more intense than the other three, and uh, that was actually the Crosby Hop Farm uh, grown uh, Cascades. Interesting. And, you know, what happens is some of these farms are just down the road from them. And, right. and not to say that the other hops weren't good. They're different. And it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I like, you know, a bolder, you know, hop character. And so that's what I'm looking for, at least in the beers that we're brewing right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, we want hop character. We really want hop character. We don't want to, you know. And yeah, so, not messing uh, around. Yeah. And um, uh, so, you know, the, the thing is, it's, it depends on how much water there is, sun, wind, fertilizer, what time they pick it, you know, just so many little different factors that that's why every hop farm is different. Mm-hmm. And even if they pick it, you know, uh, you know, on day one of picking versus picking it on day five of picking, those two sets of hops are different. That's right. So, um, you know, really, you know, it, and it, it gets me. It's, it reminds me of chocolate malt. There's oh, yeah. chocolate malts at 600 Lovabon. There's chocolate malts that are 300 Lovabon. They're, you know, they all have just wildly different flavors and, and, and aromas and colors, yet we treat them as if they're identical. You right. Know, we just say not. chocolate malt. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, same thing on hops. You know, it depends on, you know, specific farms, specific hops, and uh, they can be wildly different. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, one of the, the great things while we were up there is, uh, have you used this new uh, Brew Guru app from uh, the AHA? I've been I've been looking into it lately. I haven't had a chance to really play with it the last couple of weeks. I've been, yeah, been busy. busy on the next edition of the book. But. Sure, but I'll tell you, it's worth it. It's free. Free app. Yeah. You get it from the uh, App Store. You can get it from uh, the Google Play Store. You can get it from... Uh, uh, they may even have it on the AHA site. I don't know. It's free to uh, to use, uh, but you only get you get like a trial period, and then it's limited on what you get out of it. But if you're an AHA member, which I hope most of you people are, right? It's got I think one of the best uh, locator apps in there because they're feeding it with the entire AHA database of shops. Uh, bars, breweries, brew pubs, and on oh, top of it, it tells you which ones have the AHA discount. Uh-huh. So if you're out traveling around, you're like, ah, I'm in Oregon, I want to go and, uh, you know, check out, uh, you know, homebrew shop. And I, somebody actually asked me that, uh, uh, you know, what homebrew shop do I go to? Uh, send them to Steinberg. Uh, no, <laughs> but... Uh, if they had that AHA app, they could have looked and said, oh, well, here, here's a shop right next to me. Oh, it looks it has an AHA discount. So uh, pretty cool. And, um, you know, it's also got a lot of uh, uh, curated content. That, you know, it's stuff that uh, will help you be a better brewer. You can read it on your phone. And, uh, again, you know, if you're an AHA member, you get all that stuff. Uh, you know, with all the deals, money-saving deals, and you don't have to pay for the app. So check it out, Brew Guru. Uh, you can search for it on, like I said, in the, the various app app uh, stores and uh, online, and uh, it's pretty good. I'm I thought it ran well. I thought it was oh, efficient. Yeah. I think they they paid for a quality coder instead of some of these things are crap. Right, but this is nice. Yeah, I was playing around with it. and It is really nice. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So I uh, highly recommended. I fiddled with it, so you should fiddle with it too. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more about hops right after this. Hey there, beer. 
Indian Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grainfathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality homebrewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4 p.m pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the williams way Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Hey. Hey. Who, who would have thunk? And who would have thunk you could make kombucha and turn it into a business? That's true. Or just need a refresher on best practices. You can join White Labs for a two-day course taught in collaboration with Mananova. Instruction is going to cover the science and process behind kombucha from microbiology, fermentation, formulation, scaling up, and choosing the right equipment to dealing with common issues. Like people are going, what's kombucha? Fermented tea. (laughs) That's what Viva said. Uh, I, had, I had some uh, kombucha beer yeah. this past weekend at right. Michigan. Well, there you go. That's a hotbed of kombucha here. Yeah. Uh, register at yeastman.com before October 18th. Kombucha. All right. 
And you could spend time in lovely San Diego. At least I'm assuming that's where it'll be. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. San Diego is lovely. Too bad in Fear of the Walking Dead, they burned San Diego to the ground. <laughs> I'm just saying. That was a mistake. <laughs> Zombies or not. Yeah, they should have reserved it for, say, Fresno or something. But. Oh, Fresno, yeah, you burn that to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lost all our Fresno listeners. <laughs> no, they're probably like, yeah, they'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just get rid of it. <laughs> all right, uh, hops, hops, what were we talking about, hops? Well, we were talking a little bit about the essential oils. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, probably be a good time to take a step back and talk about, you know, what kinds of aromas we get from the hop what what do these oils contribute to Mm -hmm. the hop aroma what do you think sure sure let me let me throw out uh, some guesses here okay i think floral is one of them definitely a lot of floral i think you get a lot of fruity yeah i think uh citrus in abundance in american hops yes 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 um well if you're talking the non-american hops i think that you're going more the floral the herbal the spicy tropical fruit yeah Tropical, yeah, tropical fruit and American hops as well. Sure. Uh, butter, herbal, spicy, floral is what I, I think of the German, a lot of the German, well, not right, the latest right. German hops, but uh, some of the more traditional and the also the uh, British. Uh, I think there's uh, some uh, piney or uh, evergreen uh, characteristics. Yeah, yeah. And, some uh, resinous kind of character. Yeah, and then um, since uh, it's kind of vegetal, you can get some vegetal. Mm-hmm. You get some sulfurs. Things like that, right? That's that kind of like that dank smell that uh, a lot of you like. Uh huh. Uh huh. So there you go. Yeah. 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 A lot else? of a lot of different uh, characters in mm-hmm. various. I I maybe I'm oversimplifying. Tell me what you think. But to me, I think you can kind of characterize American hops as citrus, British hops as uh, yeah, floral, earthy. Um, land, um, European hops is more uh, floral, spicy, mm-hmm. Pacific uh, hops. That would be like New Zealand, Australia. Um, now you're into uh, floral, tropical fruit mm-hmm. and citrus, kind of you know a meld there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you then you have um, like those are the dominant characters. Then you'll also have some herbal, some vegetal. Uh, character, you know, filling in, you know, kind of mm-hmm. filling in the blanks or the spaces uh, between them. But, yeah, you're totally full of crap. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, you know, it's my opinion. No, no, no. I, th- I think, I think that you know, uh, perhaps uh, even Once as recent, time? recent as a few years ago, that was perhaps true. But mm-hmm. that has really gone by the wayside now. So um, there's a lot of. Um, uh, you know, uh, fruitier hops being grown in Germany. Uh, yes. If you look at the whole melon and, uh, you know. Yeah, Mandarin of Bavaria. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's a ton of that there. There's uh, citrusy being grown in uh, England. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, fruity, tropical fruity being grown in the U.S. now. Right. I mean, there's just so many hops being grown. And, and I think when you, you know, uh, not to leave out. Get the paddles. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, New Zealand and uh, Australia. Uh-huh. You know, I think that they're growing also some uh, very good. 
what you would consider maybe like West Coast American style hops with, um, you know, the citrus, the piney uh, oh, yeah, yeah. as well. So yeah. I think that, um, uh, you know, uh, once upon a time, uh, you know, again, not that long ago. Right. But I think the the cutting edge of of hops now has blurred all those lines across the world. Um, Good point. Because uh, you know, I'm now I'm getting uh, you know a lot of experimental hops and new hops that are coming out that you know you just never heard of or they're just numbers. Um, you know, they're not even pelletized. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they they've just got all these things and they're grown. You know, I, I just everywhere. So everything, everything's changing. So I think once upon a time that was true, and I think that has gone away now. Mm. And I think that you know because brewers are looking for all these different compounds, every grower is like, well, I could grow that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I could come up with a hop that does that. You know, yeah. So I, I think it's a, a great time for hop exploration and uh, production. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Porno Steve grows a lot of hops in his backyard. <laughs> yeah. Grows That's a lot of something. They are. They look like hops. <laughs> Somehow related to hops. like hops. They're in the latest batch of evil cousin, no doubt. The, the dankest of hops. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know... Uh, of, of the, all those characters. So how, how, do, how do people relate? Uh, I think Thomas's question was, all right, so when I look at an analysis of a hop online, and before I spend $15 a pound for the hops, and then, uh, you know, he's in Sweden, so he's got to pay, you know, sure. probably yeah. at least that in shipping it. So he's paying like $30 a pound for hops. Um, how, how should he uh, analyze the... Uh, and, and, and I say this because... You know, for him to order, you know, 10 pounds of hops or, you know, a five kilo box, you know, 11 pounds of hops, it's $330. Right. It's not cheap. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I think if he's looking at, uh, you know, it doesn't want to make a mistake on, uh, you know, and for homebrewers, it's even, you know, crazier. Right. Right. So how does he, you know... uh, Divide up all these uh, hydrocarbons and uh, uh, you know uh, other oils and stuff uh, into um, something that makes sense for him. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's kind of review what we've learned so far. One, we know that uh, hop total hop bitterness is a combination of isomerized alpha acid, oxidized beta acid, although that's a small portion. Uh, be given today's you know, two to one, three to one ratio of alpha to beta. Mm-hmm. You also have your alpha, di- your, let me try to talk. You also have your oxidized alpha acids. Those are less bitter than um, your oxidized beta, but because alpha acid is a greater proportion of the hop than beta, they tend to contribute more to the overall bitterness in today's beers mm-hmm. than they did in the past. So, um, for bitterness, you've got iso-alpha, oxidized alpha, mm-hmm. oxidized beta, mm-hmm. and polyphenols. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're bittering with a high alpha hop, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 15%, you know, you're not going to have as much polyphenol in the brew as mm-hmm. if you were bittering with a 5% alpha hop. Less, less hop matter going in there. Right. Um, 
very interesting paper at the World Brewing Congress this summer from um, uh, Christina Hahn from um, from Oregon State, where they analyzed commercial beers and like thirty plus commercial beers, mm-hmm. looked at the types of hops that were used, HPLC them, you know, got the fractions of so of mm-hmm. the components that were in there, tried to fit a model to the perceived bitterness from the components. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, iso-alpha was a big factor. Mm-hmm. Oxidized alpha was a big factor. Mm-hmm. Then it went to ABV and residual extract hmm. as terms of factors that influence the total perceived bitterness of that beer. Mm-hmm. And but you know it's not a perfect model, and, th- and they were still sure. only bumping against like eighty-three percent, you know, fit curve mm-hmm. fit mm-hmm. to prediction. But it was you know that's interesting. I mean, polyphenol didn't really mm-hmm. didn't make the cut in terms of significance, nor did oxidized beta. Well, and how does we always hear cohumulone? Oh, you want hops that are low Good in cohumulone, below thirty percent, because otherwise it's a harsher bittering. Yeah. Well. Good question. Um, Shellhammer did an interesting paper about that uh, a couple years ago. The feeling there was that uh, cohumulone doesn't have um, a harsher bitterness than, say, add or n-humulone when it's it's isomerized. Um, But it isomerizes faster. Mm -hmm. It's it's more easily isomerized um, than the other uh, isoforms. Hmm. And uh, and also it doesn't degrade uh, as fast as say the trans form. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, cohumulone is easier to isomerize and stays in the beer longer, you know, as a function of oxidation and staling mm-hmm. than the other forms of of alpha acid. Mm-hmm. Um, they he did not find a correlation to co, you know level of cohumulone to lever, level of um, perceived bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to be more a function of, you know, um, total bitterness. Right. Uh, and other factors. So, um, yeah, least, I, I, I've been yeah, same. going towards the part where the same thing like on oil. I'm like, ah, you know, I think that's like old information that yeah. it, yeah. it had a, a reason for coming up in the first place. And right. I think you've explained, you know, why that might be, you know, like the same thing on total oil. You right. know, there was a reason why we're thinking, well, that's the the answer. But the answer is just so much more complex than that, that focusing on that is you know, kind of a red herring. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. So that's, that's bittering. Um, but would you say that, um, you know, someone should look for a certain kind of, uh, the hop alpha acid for, for bittering, you know, combination alpha, beta, cohumulone, uh, you know, a minimum, uh, uh, alpha acid. I mean, you know, they've got, uh, hops up to 19% now. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I think it kind of goes back to what you were doing and I can't imagine what the hell. Porno Steve was doing up there with you. But anyway, uh, you know, when you're selecting your cascade, you know, what kind of specific character are you looking for in that beer with the hops you choose? Right. Well, it depends on the beer it's going in. 
Yeah. So yeah. if I was doing something a little more restrained, a little more mellow, if I was making, you know, uh, a Sierra Nevada pale ale type of clone, I'd probably go more, you know, the citrus, uh, a little bit of the floral, and, yeah. you know, kind of a, you know, very clean kind of uh, character. Um, um, we use uh, Cascades and Cousin, so I want something that's, you know, really brings a lot of uh, both of those and a lot of punch to the table. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's interesting um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we've we've come so far yet seems still so far away from an answer on... Uh, you know, hops in general. I mean, we've got some yeah. ideas, but with they keep coming up with new hops that kind of blow away our our, our perceptions and our yeah. preconceived notions. Now, on on cousin in particular, we use a uh, a CO two extracted uh, 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 hop uh, uh, alpha acids, bitters. Yeah. Hop, hop bitters, right? Right. And the reason we do this is. One, because you kind of get a bit of a vegetally taste if you use so much hops, even with a higher exactly. alpha, alpha, yeah. alpha acid hops, you get a bit of a vegetally when you try and just go over the top. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons we started using that. And then also, um, so I don't think it's, uh, you know, the polyphenols, but I think it's, it's, it's the vegetally and also it seemed like the overall bittering was less. It's like the yeah. vegetal matter is somehow uh, taking some of the alpha acids out of solution. It's yeah. like it's binding again with them, and it's dropping out, and so you, it's hard to get a high enough bitterness. Right. They've noticed that in um, a couple of studies where um, the the actual IBUs, the measured IBUs from the both the spectrophotometric uh, method mm-hmm. standard and as well as um, HPLC, mm-hmm. uh, looking at isoalpha, that the, the bitterness does drop with higher and higher amounts of dry hopping. That extra vegetal matter in the mm-hmm. beer and then being separated from the beer is right. actually pulling alpha acid, like oxidized alpha mm-hmm. and isoalpha, mm-hmm. out of solution. It's sticking to that mass right. and being pulled out. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of counterintuitive, mm-hmm. but that seems to be part of what's happening right in, well, when you dry hop the same thing you know the amount of yeast you use the strain of yeast you use all those affect exactly. the amount of bittering that goes through i mean that's yeah. why i keep saying it's impossible to really come up with a formula that is going to predict ibus it's it just can't be done there's there's so many other little factors and then right. if you want to relate it to actual um you know perception of bitterness that's even wider of the mark still because right. then there's so many other things in there yeah. That's why I tell people just pick one formula, it doesn't matter what it is and stick with it. Just Yeah. And base your right. base your decisions off that benchmark. Yeah, the but, benchmark yeah. in your experience to that benchmark. Exactly. If you change benchmarks, then you're screwing yourself. So people are like, "Well, <laughs> you know, you like Rager, I've been using uh, you know, Daniels or something." And it's like, "I'm going to switch." I'm like, "Don't switch. Just stick with whichever one you've chosen. Just stick with that." And yeah, you know, you know what that is. Yeah. I mean, you yep. could calculate it both ways, but, you know, always relate it back to your benchmark or, you know, calculate all three out. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it would just be too confusing. Yeah. You know, going back to your earlier question, I do kind of think in terms of style, 
Um, there's something to be said for the high alpha varieties in terms of an IPA, or at least today's I preferences for IPA, where you're looking for a mm-hmm. really sharp, clean bitterness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in some less bitter styles, you know, 30 right. IBU sort of thing. You know, now you can go towards those lower alpha. Where you're getting more of that, getting getting a little more of the polyphenol, mm-hmm. um, getting a little more of the other uh, bitterness character uh, coming out in that beer, um, adding to the overall complexity of a lower bitterness style. Mm-hmm. Um, say your English bitters, mm. um, uh, Saison, another one. Right. Um, you know, where you're looking for some complexity to that bitterness rather than a single sharp note. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I used to think that as well on a lot of the, um, <coughs> on a lot of the, um, yeah, the, the, you know, some of the German styles where you want just a hint of background hop character. I was uh-huh. like using the lower uh, alpha acid so the beer didn't become too bitter before you could get some background flavor from a bittering addition. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think now with IPAs, I wouldn't go with the, the you know the two percent alpha acid hops, but anything in the you know six to eight percent range, I think is is more than adequate. Um, you know, and I think um, you know one of the other things you you've been saying is you know uh, the water adjusting is you know kind of your yeah. your seasoning Sulfates. there, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it's it's better to um, you know pick the hops for for flavor and character. When you're making an IPA, and then you can add, you know, a little more, uh, you know, gypsum to kind of punch up the the effect of the bittering. Yeah, um, it just depends on, I guess, the kind of character you're overall looking for. So, in our lower bittered, smaller, regular IPA that we do all these experimental hops in, um, we never pay attention really to what the alpha acid is other than when it comes time to calculate out a bittering addition yeah um but we do you know enough gypsum in there and it's dry enough that you know that comes out versus like you do the evil cousin and that's as much alpha acid was will dissolve in the liquid i mean it coats our (laughs) our kettle because we use so much but it comes across very mellow because of everything else that we're doing. So it's bitter, but it's nowhere near harsh. It's a yeah. smooth bittering. And so we it's funny, we want a harsher bittering in the in the regular IPA and a smoother bittering in the in the bigger IPA. Yeah. Yeah, I was really gratified at how well the evil cousin traveled to Singapore. Oh yeah, it tasted great. It did. Um, you know, as long as it's refrigerated, uh can't go wrong. I, I, I'm very pleased. Uh, a lot of places I've been that uh, it, it carries across so well. Yeah. Um, all right. I think uh, one thing I want to tell you about is the uh, celebration. It's the Gold Country Homebrewers Club. They're they're uh, having their celebration, which is uh, a homebrew competition. It's AHA, BJCP, and Bring Network sanctioned. Uh, the comp is going to use the uh, 2015 BJCP uh, guidelines, and um, it is going to be held October 8th at Yolo Brewing Company in Sacramento. So it's uh, 
no, no longer accepting entries as of this uh, reading. But um, be sure to get down there, volunteer, you know, uh, help out with the competition. If you've never helped with the competition before, uh, a lot of it, fun. Can, it can be a lot of fun. Uh, if you're a judge, uh, get down there and judge. They can always use more qualified judges. There's never a competition that, that says, I oh, know, I don't need qualified judges. So uh, <laughs> check it out. Uh, it is the uh, Gold Country Brewers Homebrew Club. And it is the celebration and October 8th at Yellow Brewing Company in Sacramento. All right, uh, let's take one more short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up hops right after this. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and a home brewer's answer book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com heard about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit White Lab's com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast, and you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never. 
ever putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. I think uh, if you're looking to get into the beer industry, you have an opportunity to sign up for the Business of Craft Beer, which is a class being offered by the Fruit Craft Institute in Oakland, California. The course is going to run from October 22nd to November 19th, so you need to hurry. Uh, the enrollment deadline is October 10th, so uh, and you got uh, a little over a week to get signed up. Uh, check it out. The course curriculum is going to cover recipe development, brewing techniques, uh, sourcing ingredients, equipment, permitting, licensing, business planning, finance, marketing, all topic brewery owners and industry experts throughout the Bay Area. Uh, beer style and off-flavor tasting workshops are led by Master Cicerone Nicole Ernie. Oh. And uh, visits to practitioner facilities. Practitioner facilities. I don't know. Uh, breweries, you mean? <laughs> Uh, I think uh, they practice at uh, 21st Amendment. They practice at Drake's, and they uh, they uh, practice at Ford Point and Magnolia. Uh, so they're going to go to those breweries uh, for more institute uh, for more info. <laughs> head to uh, foodcraftinstitute.org and hit the courses menu at the top. All right. Ah, uh, so we, you still haven't answered my question. What should Thomas do? How should he be choosing from uh, when you get the, those analysis sheets? And it's like, well, here's your alpha, here's your beta, here's your hop storage uh, index, uh, here's your here's index. your your oils, uh, here's a brief you know uh, discussion of it. How how should one choose amongst those? Well, that is a personal decision, much like Porno <laughs> Steve's. But um, mm-hmm. I would say the hop storage index is something we haven't touched on, but we should real quick. Uh-huh. Um, that is an indicator of how readily the hop will oxidize mm-hmm. and lose alpha and beta mm-hmm. to oxidized alpha and beta, mm-hmm. uh, which will no longer isomerize but are bitter in their own right. So. Mm-hmm. If you select a hop that has a low hop storage index, mm-hmm. um, kind of look at the date, look at how it was stored, it, that will give you an under, uh, kind of a little bit of a feel as to um, you know what percentage of the overall bitterness is going to start coming from the oxidized alpha and ox- oxidized beta, mm-hmm. and you know versus the iso alpha for that overall bitterness character. It could be a little a little bit coarser, 
a little more complex, um, getting, you know, some more of that aspect in there rather than a singular ISO uh, bitterness. Um, really, I mean, as much as I would like to be able to write down the answer, um, there's hops and um, hop characteristics as they're currently given to us still don't provide us with a lot of information on, you know, things that we can concretely use to choose one lot of hops over another or one variety of hops over another. You know, pick them up, smell them, you know, use what you like. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, you know, I mean, Jamil, would you, you know, knowing what you do about hops and selecting hops, mm-hmm. you know, professionally now, I mean, what what other advice would you give term, in terms of selecting a hop based based on numbers? Well, I mean, yeah, I the more and more I see those numbers, the less and less I care about them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. been uh, yeah, and you know, especially when you realize that you know a lot of these hops come from you know where the numbers will be pretty much identical. And the hops are totally different. Yeah. So, why, so what do the numbers tell you? They, you know, I think if I was an industrial brewer trying to maximize my dollars and uh, use very few hops, uh, you know, th- that would tell me something. But you know, other than that, um, like you're saying, what I do is. I just I look at the spot list on on stuff and I am like oh you know all right give me give me you know a few boxes of that a few boxes of that uh, you know anything else that I should be looking at and they're like oh well, we got some interesting stuff that was grown in Idaho and it's like oh okay you know maybe the same hop you're already getting but this was grown in Idaho it's completely different all right, right. it's like right. two different totally different hops okay well, you know give me a few boxes of that. And then we just kind of uh, play around with them. Yeah. It's so. the alpha acid percent, the beta acid percent, hop storage index. These are all just benchmarks to, to kind of help you, you know, uh, benchmark that hop, that particular lot of hops, this time versus next time. Um, it's kind of like the whole IBU equation, you know, you were, t- you were saying, Jamil. Mm-hmm. You know, use the calculation as a benchmark, but then, you know, sa- taste the beer, sample the beer, think about how that um, that hop character came through based on that number. That's your benchmark for next time you brew it. Um, same when you're using hops. You know, look at those, look at those numbers and... Don't take them as gospel. Take them as a benchmark for how the hop character came out when you brewed with them. And, you know, think about that the next time you're selecting a hop for a similar brew, um, you know, to how that hop performed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still we're still in the baby steps when it comes to understanding total hop aroma and bitterness character. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good job, John. Good show. Um, I think that uh, if you enjoy the show, you want to check out our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. Uh, go to adamandeve.com. Check out uh, all the goodies they've got there. Use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, and you're going to get 50% off of almost any item. You're going to get three free adult DVDs. 
and they're now giving you the free Power O vibrating ring. <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, good for him, good for her, um, is what I've heard. And I, I imagine it's probably good for him and good for him. And <laughs> Tell us be, about a porno, could, Steve. Could be good for her and good for her. Uh, product. Whatever, whatever, however, however you go, and free shipping. Well, and, you know, check them out. It's a, it's a, a good company that uh, you know. Uh, nothing wrong with having sex. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoy it how you will with your your loved ones. Uh, and they've been whoever, a sponsor for a long time. Yeah, they? exactly. And uh, they they stand behind their their business and their products, and uh, you know they guarantee what they do, and uh, you know it's it's good people running it. So. Just because it has something to do with sex doesn't mean it's dirty. It, uh, it yeah. means it's fun. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> all right. So enjoy it. Check them out at adamandeve.com. Check out all our other fine sponsors, uh, such as Blickman Engineering, innovating your homebrew day for you. Um, check out the AHA uh, uh, Brew Guru. Uh, lots of good stuff out there. I mean, there's never been a better time to be a homebrewer. So uh, check all those folks out. Send them your business as your way of saying thank you for sponsoring this show. So you get all the fine information that John Palmer disgorges upon his <laughs> microphone. Check out the Brewing Network store, brewingnetwork.com slash store. You get all sorts of goodies in there. You get hats. You get hoodies. You get uh, uh, cufflinks. You get uh, uh, doilies. You get them all. All the stuff that you would want as a home brewer. Check them out. Anime, uh, <laughs> Until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone.